Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. Real quick announcement I wanted to make before today's episode. We are super excited because we just released six new financial modeling training courses on Wall Street Oasis. You can check it out on the homepage, wallstreetoasis.com or wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Um, we're super excited because it includes Excel modeling, valuation modeling, DCF, LBO, M&A, financial statement modeling, basically anything you will need to master financial modeling and hit the ground running day one. Definitely don't wait to check it out because there is an early access discount going on right now. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. In this episode, Skin in the Game 16 shares his non-traditional path to a top asset manager in London. From dropping out of high school to traveling abroad to breaking into a top master's program in London, hear how he navigated some unforgiving circumstances growing up in Brussels. Enjoy. All right, Skin in the Game 16. Thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thank you for having me, Patrick. So it'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Cool, sure. So, um, so I basically um, dropped out of high school uh, in my last year. Um, sort of had a bit of trouble with school and at home and stuff um, and had trouble finishing. So I basically had to leave school um, and find myself in a situation sort of with no, no high school degree, um, seeing my friends going off to university. This, and, and this was uh, in London? Uh, this was still in Belgium, actually. This was in, in Belgium, Belgium, Brussels, okay. where I yep. grew up. Um, yep. So, yeah, so I just, you know, didn't really know what to do. So I basically started working a little bit. I went traveling for some time um, in South America. Um, so I had, a, you had an amazing time there, you know, learned a bit of Spanish, um, met some amazing people, and then came back um, and sort of had to start working because I sort of, um, sort of basically owed my parents a bit of money for, for the traveling, et cetera. And, <laughs> Yeah, so then I started working for this, uh, so this real estate company, um, small sort of family office real estate company in Brussels uh, called IND Management. So they basically, um, they basically rented and managed uh, a series like 40, 50 uh, residential flats on behalf of, um, on behalf of a small group of sort of um, owners, investors. Mm-hmm. And I did that for two years and sort of realized in the meantime, well, you know, if I don't have a degree, um, you know, Probably I'm not really going to continue progressing, etc. So in the meantime, sort of not having much confidence in studying, I sort of signed up to this distance university program in the UK mm-hmm. called the Open University, and um, I basically yeah I did my full undergraduate degree with them whilst sort of working full time, um, and then yeah so I did pretty well, 
and wanted to try and move into finance in London. And um, the best way for me to do that was try to get into grad school in London um, and then, you know, try and get my uh, get my bearings from there. So I did that and managed to get into a target school in the UK um, mm -hmm. after, you know, like a couple of really sort of tough years balancing work and studying. And um, yeah, from there, I did sort of did grad school there, economics, and then um, joined a sort of medium sized US asset manager. Um, so I joined as sort of like a, a, an associate there for two years um, mm -hmm. and rotated across different parts of the business. Um, so, you know, anything from, you know, I did marketing, sort of finance, sales, parts of operations, and then finally investment management, um, which I sort of managed to, you know, meet a few people, networked with quite a few people there. And they sort of, you know, guided me towards um, what I sort of wanted to do in the long run, which was real estate. And sort of my old company didn't use, didn't really special didn't really do any sort of alternative assets in real estate so um so it sort of had made sense for me to move and they sort of helped me um you know prepare for interviews um, the, the company you're at helped you prepare um no yeah well yeah, yeah the, the company i was at so basically just a few people who just basically like mentored me in a way yeah um, and then you know i applied i applied to i applied you know to quite a few firms and you know it was quite you know a lot of rejections mm -hmm. and then, you know it was, it was difficult but I finally so finally did make it and um, so I've now been working as a fund manager assistant um, on the uh, global real estate securities desk um, so I've got a large global asset manager um, and yeah so I've been doing that for two years now um, and it's yeah it's been going pretty well so I love this it's a really interesting story because I think you probably had a lot of a lot more of a winding road than a lot of uh, the guests I've had on here um, I don't know if we've had any guests that, it, that actually took a year off or dropped out of high school. So, um, so tell me a little bit about just, let's go back there. Like what was specifically, um, what was going on through in, as much as you can share your comfortable yeah. sharing, um, what was going on such that you had to just stop high school. You're just flunking out because there's so many distractions or what was going on? Yeah. Well, I mean the, the, so towards the end of high school, I guess my, my, my parents sort of broke up. So that was kind of difficult. And then I guess sort of I lost connection of studying and then um, from that, you know, sort of started not caring as much and, mm. you know, hanging out with maybe not the most best influences. Um, and it's just, just, just a bit of a slippery slope. Um, yeah. And so did um, you, did you end up just dropping out? Cause you want, who were you living with your mom or your dad or both? Yeah, I was living, I was living with my, well, still both my mom and my dad at the time. Um, mm. But then basically, um, yeah, did basically I was just, had to drop out, had to leave the school. <laughs> Did you see it coming, their breakup, or was it a complete shock? Um, it was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a shock, um, to be honest. And it's, I guess, just at that age, you're not necessarily, I mean, it's always difficult, but you, you, you might not have the right tools to be able to sort of see beyond it. And, you know, you count on your parents quite a lot. So it was a bit difficult. Yeah, and you're a little bit like, you're still young. You're still a little immature, probably as a guy, we mature later. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about like how you, what made you think I'm going to go travel to South America and where did you go and why? Yeah. So, um, basically, so I, re I realized, um, so I basically quit school and was at home a lot and I had way too much free time. Mm -hmm. And, um, my mom just was like, well, if you're not going to be at school, you need to do something. And she was like, well, why don't you go traveling for a bit? I was like, uh, well, not really, you know, I'd rather just stay here. My friends all live here. 
and she kind of pushed me to go traveling and it was quite random so i just basically literally looked at the globe look at the map of the world and was like well you know south america seems far seems cool people speak spanish there um and yeah but it was quite it was really it was it was kind of random but it worked out really well it, it sounds really a little bit like how i decided to go to buenos aires after my mba i was like where can okay. i go to improve my spanish and <laughs> where i can travel from a lot of places and i chose buenos aires as like my <laughs> home base exactly. So you, where were you yeah. in South America again? Yeah, so I was mainly in uh, mainly in Peru and Colombia. Um, so Great. my mother's I've Colombian. Bought... I don't know if you knew. Really? Yeah. Oh, from, I didn't know. She's from uh, Cali, Colombia, on the coast. Oh, really? Beautiful. Yeah. I've been there. Really, really nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're really well known for salsa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so cool. Yeah. Okay, so you're there yeah. for how long? Uh, so I was there for like uh, six months. So your mom was funding all of this. Um, well, no, I bet like she, she helped me, she helped me fund it. And my grandparents are actually really were, like, were really helpful and supportive. Yeah. Um, so they just thought it'd be a good growing, growing kind of yeah. time for you. Was it end up like just a party for you or did you, did you feel like you, you gained any maturity throughout the process? Um, it, it was a lot of fun, but I do think, I do think I actually learned from it as a sort of, you know, as, as a person maybe, because I went there on my own, so you didn't kind of figure out who you are and you want and stuff and i think maybe a bit more resilient a bit more mature too yeah i think traveling can do that right when you're forced to (laughs) to figure things out on your own and where you're going to live and all that good stuff um so tell me a little bit about um kind of why you decided to come back when you came back and then what was kind of the conversation you had with your mom or or your dad at that point yeah, so I basically, um, so I, I came, I came back home because it was, it was, you know, it'd been six months, and it, you know, I'd run out of money, and also it was just it'd been time, and I just, um, I came home, um, you know, wanted to get it started working, um, which is all great, but then I quite quickly realized, I guess, that, you know, it's cool to be earning money when your friends are studying, but how, you know, what's this, what's the future, and sort of where is this going to take me? Um, and you were what uh, 18 at this time or 19 or something like that uh yeah 19 going on 20 i think because it was like it's another six yes yeah, so it's about 19 20 and what's um, it like in brussels like what's where yeah. you live like i don't know anything about the city so yeah so brussels is um it's it's a it's like a medium-sized european city um mm-hmm. so i mean it's, it's similar to like a bar it's it's a northern european city um, like barcelona i love barcelona yeah but it's much the weather's much there's no way it's nice it's not really <laughs> um but it's it's a nice it's a nice place and it's pretty international too um, yeah so yeah so what gave you the idea of so you were working for i think you said a real estate firm right for, for yeah. a couple of yeah. years when you got back and yeah that's correct do you mind sharing what you're getting paid i assume it was very low because you didn't even have a high school exactly yeah, yeah yeah so it was oh back i think it was like literally in euros back around just under like 30k it was like 25 26 27 or something Twenty-seven thousand euros um yeah yeah, yeah for a year yeah. that's not that bad that wasn't that that wasn't that bad i guess for was, the city if you're living in the city it's pretty low but um yeah 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 um, but okay um, so you're you're doing this and then kind of studying on at nights in that's in this kind of online university is that something that's more common in the u.s did you feel like hey if i get this degree from this online university because i know there's a lot of for-profit universities here in the U S and it's a big problem because a lot of kids take on debt thinking 
if I go do this university degree, if I get my bachelor's, I'm set, I'm gonna be able to find a job when the reality is very different from that. And a lot of these um, for-profit universities take advantage of kids. Um, yeah. Charge a lot of money to say, hey, we're accredited, we have a bachelor's, but they're barely accredited and the quality yeah. of education isn't great. And so tell me how you thought about that or if you didn't think about it at all, it's fine too. Yeah, so I mean, the, I guess I, having not finished high school and sort of like being out of studying for a bit, I sort of sort of lacked a bit of confidence to go back to full-time studying mm-hmm. um, and, you know, sort of doing it the traditional way. And then this sort of idea came up through my mom and I was like, oh, is this, is this a good idea? Like, is this, you know, what's this, you know, what's this going to get me, whatever. And, um, but in the end it was, you know, it's, it was in the UK, like in Europe, at least it's, you know, it is still pretty, accredited if you pretty I mean, well, you pretty well. Yeah. yeah i mean if you do well you're you kind of like okay he's done really well regardless and he's been studying at home and i guess people value that mm. um but i mean i, I mean i think if, if i had the choice i would have i mean i would definitely just go the traditional route um um looking back who you wish yeah. you kind of stayed through and finished high school yeah yeah and you miss out also on the the real life student experience right mm-hmm. um which, totally. which is a pity, yeah. Which is some of the best years of your life, man. No, exactly. <laughs> I want them back. <laughs> you want them back? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, so yeah. you're okay. So you're, you know, but you you finish. It takes you a few years, and yep. you you get your degree in what two years? That that fast online while you're working? oh no 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 it was no Four no years. sorry it was um so basically I wasn't I didn't work during the whole time yeah um, studying um but I worked most of the time but it took no the degree in total was like four years. Like so during that time of the online studying and working part-time, yeah, you said you kind of were thinking finance. So tell me a little bit about like, why, like, why were you interested in that? Was it just cause like you saw a lot of fun movies like Wolf of Wall Street kind of <laughs> back then or Boiler Room and like that, Hey, this will be a fun way to, maybe this is a way to be lucrative, not dependent on my parents anymore. What was the thought process? Um, sure. So it, it was, it was, a, it was a bit of that, but it was also, so my, so my, I have an uncle who, um, who, you know, quite randomly sort of like set up, he set up a couple of like 20 years ago, a hedge fund. Um, oh. and he, 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 I mean, we, not that we were super, super close, but I, I sort of, uh, we've gone on holiday we started talking and I liked economics and I was like, Oh, so how does this work? And, you know, understanding, I guess the, the, the importance of the, you know, financial services within an economy. And, and I kind of liked it. And I was like, okay, I, I can, you know, maybe I'd like to try and become part of this. Um, and then it's, you know, then from Isn't that, it funny like, how those little conversations, whether it's like families or yeah. friends or friends, like completely change your entire life trajectory? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Then, you know, you, from one thing, to, then you, you know, started, you know, reading up stuff and then, you know, reading the FT from time to time and then, you know, whatever it was, and you just start reading more and more. Then I just, kind of got really interested um got it and so when you were um as you're approaching graduation from this online university yeah was your thought process what was your thought process in terms of job prospects versus like okay i'm gonna have to get a master's um yeah well yeah well to be like i so but the thing so basically i wanted to try and get a job in london in finance uh, Mm -hmm. straight out of uh straight out of school the online undergraduate um but it was it was proving pretty difficult for two reasons. Uh, first, being I sort of got interested in the finance thing a little bit late to be able to like do internships and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and um you know and you know london like you know like new york like you know any like most big global financial centers is is extremely competitive and i didn't have that and i also you know didn't really have the necessarily the 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 right credential university from a university perspective of course so i sort of tried that but it was really hard and also being in brussels is kind of it's hard to just you know you can't i can't keep on traveling to try and get interviewed for to go for interviews and stuff so um yeah so grad school was like i was like well this could be the way in um yeah and so how did you prepare kind of your like take to it you ended up getting into a top school in uh in london but tell me about like how you even prepared or how you wrote those essays to get in there yeah so that's competitive that's competitive too right because people yeah the ticket you know yeah so there was so basically what i what i started doing in the year before is i started reaching out to uh i started reaching out to alumni i started reaching out to to students that studied at university mm-hmm. and also tried to um so basically when you know when alumni sort of gave me a call or whatever or i'd have some bit of time with them i'd sort of try to explain my 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 motivation my narrative and especially i guess where i'm coming from and they sort of helped me i guess sort of maybe position my story and also um better define kind of what i want from university and sort of like what i'm trying to get out of it isn't that so key kind of making sure you had a consistent theme throughout your Definitely. application. Like you almost want to brand yourself, right? I always tell people Definitely. who are applying to business school, like if you're a kid from finance, investment banker, private equity, whatever, you, you want to be outside of that crowd. You want to somehow brand yourself differently from everybody else. Um, whether that's, you know, for me, it was education technology kind of, you know, having, having built or started Wall Street Oasis really, I think was an advantage for me because I could point to that and talk about how education technology, I think, was changing the landscapes. And that's how I branded myself to get into Wharton. I feel like if you have something you can lean on, or there's, there's stuff in your extracurriculars you could point to, I, yeah. I assume. So yeah, yeah. what were those? Were there themes you'd be willing to share with the, with the Yeah, audience? so I guess, I mean, the, the main one is that it's probably pretty obvious is just the fact that, you know, my story and the fact that I sort of had to quit high school and Mm-hmm. um sort of have to you know take a couple of back doors um and to get in the underdog, also, the underdog. yeah <laughs> yeah okay exactly. people exactly. love an underdog that's great that's smart <laughs> um so that i mean that was the, that was the sort of the 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 sort of the 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 the, the angle i came from but mm-hmm. i also you know i was just i guess having lived in brussels been in an international environment having you know traveled on my own a bit before and stuff like that and just being able to, i just played a lot on the on the on on the narrative that you know i've done lots of different things but i like to bring them all together to be able to to do this thing um i love it yeah so i guess so were you did you think you were going to get in did you apply to some a safety school what was the thought what, what happened when you got that letter um i'm gonna be honest i was, I was a little bit bold i think i applied to two schools in london uh, in london actually uh-huh. and got, got into both but I didn't, I, I really, I was, it was, I was like, you know, this, this isn't going to happen. You know, this is, this is a distant universe. Like, but you know, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. And then, and then it just, um, when I got the letter, I was like, oh, wow. And then like, I'm going, I'm actually going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, tell me about, um, uh, tell me about aid. Were you able to get any financial aid or you didn't need it? Like your mom was already helping you with stuff. Um, was your, yeah. dad, was your dad in the picture still helping? Um, on, my dad wasn't really, unfortunately. My mom yeah. was. 
And another thing is, to be honest, I actually managed to save. I was, I mean, I'm earning, I was earning way less than now, but I actually managed to save quite a bit because uh, Brussels is kind of cheaper than London. I was studying in the, I, I basically had no free time, so mm-hmm. I wasn't spending much money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got, I, my mum my was really helpful um, too. Cool. And yeah. So you end up going to school. You're super excited, I assume. Yeah. You end yeah, up yeah, going definitely. and then tell me this program, it's a two-year program, correct? It's actually one year. It's, it's one, one year. year. Okay. So it's a one year because yeah. pro- it's a master's. Uh, it's not like um, the equivalent of like the MBA. It's a, no, n- a, a no. master's kind of with economic bent to it, or we'll call it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and tell me about like what your research was. You were applying to that specific program. Tell me about, did you do a lot of research beforehand to see what people were getting placed into out of that role or out of that school? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's a pretty, it, yeah, it's a pretty uh, uh, notable school like in London and I mean in Europe, in the UK and in the world actually. So it's, it's basically you know a lot of kids, I think like for most schools, I think you know a good six seventy percent or so probably want to try and get into investment banking. <laughs> um, then I think there's then for the for finance right, and then I guess there's you know the rest kind of want to do asset management or other stuff. And um, so I, I kind of, yeah, so investment banking is like, was really, was hard, was like really hard, obviously, because also the other thing is a lot of the kids that were at the school who were in undergraduates already, already done internships and whatever. And the competition is just that big that it's just, it's going to be pretty tough. And then even asset management actually was, was pretty difficult because like for most, you know, big banks and stuff. The, the the big asset managers, you know, the, the the Black Rocks, the Vanguards of the world, they'll they'll have you know pretty structured recruiting. So they'll do that in September, October. And then like if you kind of miss that boat while well, you're like, you know, what do I do next? So it's it's fast. It happens fast. Like you get on campus and you're recruiting right away, basically. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. I mean they do like these these companies have like you know Impulse networking sessions. dinners. Yeah, like in like in August already. Like before <laughs> the school's already even started. So Oh um, so I did that and then um, spend the rest of the year just with another friend of like another friend of mine who was not in a similar situation, but, you know, we had some commonalities and we just, you know, really, we like we went to events, we went to, you know, company events, we reached out to people on LinkedIn, we, you know, applied to so many jobs. Did you start getting some interviews on campus or whatnot? Um, I got, I got a few, and then I, I got a few, then I had an assess, got to an assessment center. Mm-hmm. but unfortunately didn't get that um because the assessment so, center what were they testing like numerical reasoning skills and stuff like a that? bit of numer- numerical yeah numerical reasoning situational judgment technicals and also like these um i guess yeah sort of situational day in the life type of games where everyone's just like trying to cut each other like where everyone's just like out for themselves um so so i did that but then i finally um yeah so towards the end of the year um managed to land two offers. Um, so one in this asset management company, and then the other one in um, sort of like, a, so it's big four actually. So I got an offer for, um, for a role there. And I was, for me, I just kind of asset, the, the, the company, the asset management company seemed to just better fit what I kind of wanted to do. And what was and, that? Like more on the trading side, more on the market side? More on the market side. And th- and, what was the big four offer in? Like what group do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah. So it was actually it was audit actually. It was audit. Audit. Actually. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't really want to go the accounting route or the that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. I yeah. mean, it's. I mean, part, sometimes I'm like, well, you know, 
that could have been that could have been another route, you know. But um, I kind of prefer the asset management route. And um, why was that? What was your thought process? Like personality? Was it because your personality? Was it because your that uncle? I think you said your uncle told you about hedge funds, and that sounded appealing. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I had a slight incline towards I guess the the more so markets. I said more mar, sort of markets as opposed mm-hmm. to I guess corporate finance uh, accounting. Um, and even, and even, I guess, you know, more the banking side. So, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Cause you were there for two years, correct? When you came yeah. out of school and tell me about the progression. It sounded like a rotational program when you're going over it earlier. Um, yeah. Sorts. And so that's kind of awesome because you didn't really have those internships, right. To lean on from before you didn't have like the. Exactly. Exactly. So it sounds like the perfect fit for you. So tell me about like your rotation through each kind of group and what you liked or didn't like, or what was surprising to you kind of uh, coming out of school? Yeah. So, um, so basically I, I rotate, so each group was like, so the first group was like six months, but the rest were like three months, which goes really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, so you basically, you know, you land in the team and you, you know, you have a sort of manager or sort of, you know, associate or manager um, who's kind of, you know, to- gives you the work and trains you. And it's pretty intense, but you, because you don't really get it. Three months is, is not really, is nowhere near enough to, you know, even get a, to get a, you know, sort of a minimal understanding of that part of the business. Mm. What you really do get. Um, and I think more specifically, I mean, I say this for asset management, this, that's obviously what it refers to. You do get a really good understanding of the biz of the business in its entirety. Mm. So, you know, what do you know? What do what what do sales do? And you know who who do they go and sell to? Who are clients? Are they institutional? Is that the marketing side you were mentioning before? When you said marketing, do you mean like the sales yeah. side, the, the talking to clients and selling them products? Yeah, exactly. So you, yeah. so then yeah, then you learn you know you learn to to learn a bit more about the geography of the clients, the type of clients, the type of products they're interested in, hmm. and then you know then I moved on to obviously also like client service, which is a little bit more sort of you know, on the relationship management side where you're working with your current clients and helping them with, you know, you know, with market queries or, you know, whatever in terms of their, so that's, and then, you know, obviously then moved on to a bit more of the investment management side, which is actually what I wanted to do. And, um, there's the investment there's, management uh, side, meaning like you were actually yeah, the, structuring yeah, yeah. products or you were actually trading. Uh, well, the, the, yeah, well, the, no, the actual sort of, I guess the, the portfolio management, um, guys, um, so you're like helping I, analyze different portfolios and like, can you give me an example, like what you do one day? Exactly. Yeah. So actually that company is pretty interesting in the sense that they, there was pretty much based on a fund of fund model. Hmm. So, um, so it's, they called it manager research. So what you would do is, um, uh, so the, the guy would sort of work for whatever he'd give me maybe a list of, a list of managers, um, which you can, you know, you know, Bloomberg or whatever program you're using, mm-hmm. um, you know, go and check up their, their, their track record, their thematics, um, their investment thesis, and just be able to um, essentially try and figure out, you know, which, which managers are better or not um, and for what reasons. So I guess, you know, from sort of a free month sort of internship. Are you able to see returns in like uh, in, in the Bloomberg? Well, you can see the thing is you can see you can have an you can have an idea of of um of track record because you you would actually 
um, we would pick them. We would pick the managers in which we invest the clients, in which the company would invest the clients' funds in. Yeah, no, yeah, you're the fund of funds. So I understand you're like analyze the managers, but when like they give you that list of names to go research in Bloomberg, like you can get the thematics of like where they're investing, what industries, what their style is. But then were you able to like before? I guess maybe later down the line when you're doing diligence, you'd get return data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that, that would obviously be a, a pro, yeah the point that they're probably interested in actually having a meeting with them. Um, Got it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was pretty interesting. Cool. So like you were, you were doing that, you were there for almost two years. Um, do you mind mentioning pay at all? Like in terms of what, you know, you're now coming out of uh, top school with the masters. Um, yeah. So that was, um, so yeah, I mean, the bracket was like 30 to 40, 30 to 40. Okay. Um, pounds, GB, right? yeah, yeah. GBP. Pounds, yep. Yeah. And then uh, was there any um, bonus associated with it? Um, yeah, so it was like, I mean, asset management, I think. 10K the, or something, 5K. Yeah, the 10 to 30%, the 30% is more for like, um, I guess, you know, investment, um, investment start, investment uh, front office. Got it. Um, um, so would you say this was a program that was like more middle office, back office support, or like this rotational program? And how common are those kind of coming out of these types of masters? Yeah, I would say it is a little bit more um, because... Uh, at least in the UK, a big part of that business is is geared towards that. So they obviously have an investment team, and you know both fixed income and equities. Mm-hmm. But um, but that's not necessarily their brand strength. Um, so I think that's that's partly. Were you looking of, to kind of try to transition into that front office? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I mean, that's. I mean, I obviously didn't mention it, but that's kind of what I wanted to do since the beginning, right? Um, yeah. But it well, was, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. For anyone with ambition, you'd think you'd want to be making the decisions and the actual if you love the markets, right? To be exactly. doing that. So okay, exactly. so is that what prompted kind of the next move after the you know year and ten? Like, when did you start looking? Were you networking this whole time? How was your kind of whole process of making that next jump for yourself? Yeah. So I started probably a year in. So I had when I had a year to spare. Um, and the other reason for that is that um, you sort of you leave the program, whatever happens after two years. So um, I didn't want to be in a situation where, you know, even if I was going to stay, if I, I didn't want to end up in a role where, you know, I didn't want to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I just really wanted to make sure that I sort of prepared as much as possible. So for, how do you, when do they tell you, like, if you have, if you're allowed to stay past the two years, is that pretty common? Um, so they, I mean, I think that you work towards it in the last six months. Mm-hmm. And that's usually in conjunction with them trying to find your role internally. Got it. Um, um, obviously, I was also looking outside, so I, I didn't tell them. But I started looking around a year before. Um, yeah, a year in. Would you recommend so, keeping that quiet for the people who are in a similar boat? Um, I, I would. I, I would. I would. Because, and another reason for that is just, you know, I wasn't sure. You know, like if, if, a, if, an, if a role had opened, you know, in the last six months, uh, in the team where I happened, you know, and they quite liked me or whatever, then, you know, I would have taken it. Um, and I probably would have burned a bridge had I said, Oh, I'm going to leave guys. And then being like, um, right. so yeah. Okay. So that's good advice. So you're, you started looking like a year before, which I think is smart. Like give yourself a long runway to potentially see as many opportunities, get better at interviewing again, get into that mindset. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And so tell me how that all went. Was it like mostly just informal info chats i know in london the networking is a little bit different and like the formal channels of recruiting are a little more strict in terms of having to follow those tell me a little bit about kind of that whole process for you and how it worked 
Yeah, so I basically, so I guess the one of the, the best, I mean, the primary way was just basically reaching out to, reaching out to recruiters. Um, um, so I, you know, spoke to quite a few recruiters over that time. Um, some of them were good, some of them weren't so good. Um, but I, I mean, one thing I will, I kind of would, would do want to mention is that um, recruiters, in my experience, aren't always out in your best interest. <laughs> and um, there's been, so, you know, I luckily had, you know, people who sort of knew what I wanted to do and were supportive. And I sort of took enough time in advance to be able to prepare. But all of the time, you know, sometimes they try, you know, they try and sell stuff to you. Like, you know, yeah, this is, you know, this is a great role. And, you know, you know, I played someone here last year who's, you know, now, now, you know, now moved into front office. Um, this is like, it's a good stepping stone. And you, and you're like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so I, but yeah, so I did that. How do you, how do you kind of, how do you kind of know the difference? Cause a lot of younger kids may fall for that. How do you just don't take anything a recruiter says, take it with a large grain of salt. Is that just the, the message um, here? Because a I lot mean, of they, they're just trying to get the placement and move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they do. And I think it's even more so if you're trying to guess, I guess, move front office or move up because they see your profile. They know that they can place other people, you know, that maybe are better fitted for the role. So there's, there's, there isn't much incentive for them to actually pass you, pass you. And, you know, so that this, so I guess that system, I think my general, I mean, I think recruiters actually, you know, and I've met quite a few really, really helpful, useful ones and really nice ones. Um, so, you know, nothing against recruiters, but I think using resources and looking online and even stuff, even like WSO, to be honest, just talking about like, hey, you know, I'd like to move into this area. What do you, what do you guys think? And I think being able to use sort of different sources of reference um, mm. um, and knowing that beforehand is really helpful. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of a frame of, of different paths you could take, different kind of lateral moves you can make that potentially gets you, get you closer to your end goal. Right. Correct. So how did you, how did you figure that out? So you talked to some helpful recruiter that did give you maybe some good guidance, some trying to push you into roles that may not, may not have been a good place for you. How did it all evolve? Eventually, how did you end up finding your next role? And then let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So I, I mean, I, I, I sort of wanted to move into alternative, alternative assets. So mm -hmm. I wanted to particularly real assets or real estate and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, especially real estate, because that's kind of where I'd done a bit of work beforehand and it sort of made, you know, made sense. And, um, so I sort of focused on that. Um, so roles didn't always come, you know, sometimes there's, you know, I'd have to wait for a few weeks, but I sort of made sure that I kind of tried, you know, understood the fundamentals as much as I could Tried to, you know, be up to sort of, you know, general market news, um, be able to sort of talk about the, you know, the economics of that particular asset class and also just sort of, you know, really start to speak to as many people within that asset class and industry as possible, just to familiarize myself and maybe, you know, get insights into how to prepare and, you know, perhaps what modeling or Excel skills could be useful and stuff like that. And you were still kind of interviewing mostly with asset managers. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah, you were is. thinking of joining kind of an asset manager, but more like with a focus on real estate. That's correct. Okay. So tell me how you kind of went about that. I mean, obviously LinkedIn, maybe it was helpful, but how else did you, and then what, tell me how you kind of eventually got this offer. Yeah. So I was sort of interviewing, uh, I think one or two places at the same time. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this one because it was it's a it was a you know it's a really big asset manager. Um, um, that you know they from you know from what I'd sort of done in research, you know they had a pretty decent uh, team, you know reputable team. Um, and so I went for an interview there. Um, met like um, met two analysts. Uh, had an Excel test, and then. After that, yeah, yeah, after the first interview, I was like, okay, I really, you know, I like, I like them a lot. I can kind of see myself here. And I sort of, I really just sort of did everything I could in terms of uh, research and just um, even talking to people in my old firm and my uncle um, in terms, even also the soft skills, because I think that's something which, I, you know, you can sort of forget sometimes or I can, you know, I forgot, I think. Yeah, you're it's thinking modeling, about, modeling, Excel, Excel, and then you, have, you forget you have to make a connection with the interviewer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, I think my uncle helped me with that a bit. And, he, and I, think, um, I think that was actually really important and really helpful. At the end of the day, you know, you're sitting down with a team and, you know, they need to like you. And, and so this, this role, would you still like, can you be more specific about yeah. like what you're doing? And sure. Sure, would sure, you sure. consider it front office? Would you consider it like still middle office? You're building towards that still, or tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so so I work as a fund manager assistant um, um, within sort of sort of global uh, real estate securities desk, a large asset manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously working the investment team, um, I would I would I wouldn't call it purely front office because for the re- the reason being is that at the end of the day, um, I'm not making any investment decisions as per se. Mm-hmm. And in asset management, I guess, so the fund, the fund managers, you know, they're the, they're the ones that call the shots. And then equity analysts, obviously, they're the guys who will, you know, do research on their com- on companies, geographies, et cetera, underwrite, mm-hmm. and then make recommendations. And I sort of fit, sit in between both. But um, Is this a common role, the fund manager assistant role? Or is um, it special to certain fund certain asset managers i'm gonna i think it's it's actually specific to certain asset managers i don't think because i've looked around and i've seen because i haven't heard yeah i haven't heard it so it's interesting you're sitting kind of in between the equity analyst recommendations and the fund managers to kind of what's your role like day-to-day kind of what are you doing yeah yeah so so for example my responsibility so i get in the morning um you know I'll turn on you know turn on thompson Reuters, a uh bloomberg whatever mm-hmm. and one of the first things i'll do um and share with to the portfolio managers and the team is obviously sort of the cash positions because we we trade in you know the fund trades intraday mm-hmm. and especially recently it's been you know it's been it's been very volatile so i'll i'll you know i'll do i'll do that in the morning send that out um, we have a like a really sort of big proprietary global investment framework model, which is my responsibility to um, to update daily, to check, to because we update the pricing of all the companies within our universe and that gets loaded into that. At the same time, you know, there's a couple of you know we we from that we derive our risk scores and our value scores for for the companies that we invest in, mm-hmm. and it's really the center of um, the center of information. So I need to make sure that's sort of up and running and ready for the day. Got it. And then for the rest, my role is actually is pretty ad hoc in nature, um, which is really interesting. So I'll, you know, I can quite easily um, be helping the equity analyst on some research, whether that's sort of, you know, broader, broader thematic or a non, you know, a, a subsector of in real estate, you know, whether it's off, you know, German residential or, you know, France offices or whatever. And then, so I'll be helping them in that capacity 
or I could um, be very well, you know, because I help the fund managers and all of their also sort of the cash management. And what I mean by that is sort of because we have a global fund, we obviously, so we run, we, we run, um, uh, we run F sort of currency forwards. Um, obviously cash management and sort of sweeping and stuff like that has to be done quite regularly because, so that's the more operational side of the fund, I guess. Yeah. Um, so there's that part too. And then obviously there's the, a bit so you more probably the, enjoy the research side a little bit more, I assume. Def, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then there's obviously on the more client side is I obviously help the, so we have a product team because you know, there's obviously the SMM is big enough for that, Yeah. but there's lots of, there's lots of sort of much smaller, you know, much smaller meetings or things that, you know, the fund managers might want me to prepare for, you know, for presentations, for roadshows, uh, for clients or um, so, yeah. And stuff like that. And I also work quite closely with the general research team who, um, who, for which we're basically building a pretty, a pretty impressive sort of um, asset database, which is specific to real estate because, you know, you can actually map, you know, every single asset if you want. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. And I think, you know, obviously research and investment, that's the, that's the direction. That's cool. Yeah. So do you feel like um, this position will eventually potentially allow you to become a fund manager one day or is, is that the goal? Yeah. Or what's the goal? I think, yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it does. I mean, it, it does. It's, um, it's a question, it's a question of time, but also skill um, because I think there's the progression in asset management, maybe in general, is um, maybe not as structured and linear. So, you know. How do you speed up that time frame? Like, how do I wouldn't even know? Like, obviously, getting really, um, being able to understand real estate itself, like, would really help, right? Um, but does the, are the funds structured in such a way where, like, you could be a fund manager of a real estate portfolio? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, could, it, could be, it could be the case. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, so... Obviously, yeah. So the, the understanding the asset class, but also there is part of it is a little bit uh, of timing. So mm -hmm. you know, if you just need, you know, for example, if you know, if one of the two co-fund managers leaves, the most senior equity analyst is probably going to be likely to be promoted to. So it, it's it's not as structured in that way. Um, um, but to sort of answer my, your question, well, a parallel to your question is I'm actually um, looking to move into a sort of direct real estate. So more um, REP type style. Cool. Um, um, so that, that's why that was, the, that's the end goal, the Holy grail. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, how has that gone in terms of your recruiting so far? Like, are, do you feel like you're getting traction because of the real, cause now you have a little bit of a theme, real estate theme there, or is it, are people not willing to look at you because yeah. oftentimes they're like, oh, he doesn't have the direct investment experience. I think it's yeah. interesting for a lot of people because a lot of people get potentially stuck in an asset manager or a middle office position thinking, well, can I make the jump to the direct investment side? And maybe, maybe you can shed some light on that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely not easy. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that being, so in real estate, I think, um, I think that really, it helps me because I understand um, quite a lot of, I understand the fundamentals, understand the asset class. Um, it helps me in that, in that regards. But on the other hand, um, it, it is, yeah, it is pretty difficult, but I have, you know, gained traction a little bit more recently and it's only been more recently because it's coming up to two years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
I think it's at this point of my career that I think would, you know, is the right time to try and do it because I'm guess you know, I think like for other industries, you know, I think you kind of do want to do it, you know, maybe let's say up into the, your first five, six years of, you don't want to be 10, 10 years in. Exactly. I think that I mean, yeah. Cause then you're like, no, he's been doing this for like six years or whatever. He's been in this assistant role or whatever fund manager assistant role. Um, yeah. It can kind of pigeonhole you a little bit if you can't make that pivot out. Well, I would just say to you, even if it takes you two more years to do it, just keep talking to people. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Because Thanks. I think, you know, you can eventually get there if you talk to the right person at the right time. A lot of it is luck and a lot of it is timing. And you know, when, if, if you have the knowledge and you speak, you speak intelligently about the asset class and maybe even show them that you've done some real estate modeling and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, have those chops. I think you can potentially get an entry level role, which may be even a pay cut. Um, but, but it's where you want to be long-term and then you can grow with the fund, you know? Exactly. That's, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping and thinking. I mean, I think, you know, has pay gotten better now that you lose uh, move to the larger asset manager and you're in this kind of I'll call yeah. hybrid role. Yeah. Yeah, it has, it has, it has like 40, um, 50 or. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's gone. It's pretty much 56, 50, 60. 50, 60. Yeah. That's great. 50, 60. Yeah. Pounds. Yep. Um, yep. So it's, yeah, no, it's, it, it has, it has changed. Um, it has changed quite a bit. Is that tough in London to live on that though? London's um, crazy expensive. I mean, <laughs> London is, I mean, the thing is London is expensive, but, but rent it's a bit, I mean, you can sort of, I feel like 50, I feel like 50 is like, once you get to 50, you're like, okay, you can sort okay. of kind of, yeah. You can survive on the base. You don't have to have the bonus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but London is, London is expensive, but I mean, you like, you know, you don't have to go crazy, crazy on rent. Um, and rent isn't as bad as, I mean, I, th I think it's not as bad as New York, I feel. Really? I always thought it was a little bit worse, but maybe I'm wrong. I've, I haven't lived in New York for, what is it, 10 years? About 10 years. No, 12 years. Jeez. <laughs> I turned 40 recently, three months ago, and so I'm still like, I'm in shock that it went by so fast all this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cool, man. Well, this is, this has been really interesting. Any, any kind of parting wisdom or advice you'd want to give people kind of in a similar background, maybe high school dropouts, online learners, anybody, sure. who, anything sure, else sure. you want to tell, tell them? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think the, the first thing is that, you know, you, you, you know, if you really, if you really, I'm not saying anyone can do anything, but I think that if you, if you do, if you do put your heart to things, and if you, you know, generally in an informed way where you, you sort of gone out and reached out to people and, and, um, I know what it's about, you know, you can change things and that it's not because you don't necessarily have the, um, the more traditional background that, um, that things won't work out. And then even beyond that, you know, maybe there's things that you're not aware of, um, on the side. And, um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, I think from my perspective, I've, you know, I, none of this was sort of planned. It's just every next step is like, what's the best option? So, um, yeah, that'd be my biggest piece of advice. That's awesome. I love it. And I think it's really important advice. I think hopefully uh, we're playing a small part in people understanding all these different paths people can take because I feel like one of the biggest things, and I think it, it plays to your story as well, is just you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's out there until you talk to somebody who's like, you're like, hedge fund what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is that about? And And then all of a sudden it opens up this whole other thing. And, you know, even when I was in banking and back in 
it's a long time ago. It's going to date me 2002. I had no idea what private equity was. I guess it was less prevalent back then and there was no Wall Street Oasis. So I had an, a fellow analyst sit me down and be like, this is private equity. You want to get there. This is how you study for it here. Study the, study this. Um, and so uh, it, it's funny how it just opens up your eyes. And, you know, I remember thinking, okay, what am I going to do after banking? And like, I think when you're younger, you typically sometimes don't look more than a couple of years ahead or even six months ahead. Uh, yeah. Nowadays, that can be a real detriment. I really do think it can because like things are super early and I think it's actually making things harder for kids who are not in the know early. So the high school student who knows what investment banking is private is at a huge advantage because recruiting's freshman or sophomore year now. Um, Yeah. It's crazy. And so, I mean, you look at your story and you know, you didn't finish high school. You had some family issues and you traveled. I think your mom, I think the other thing was your mom was a really strong influence on you. I think she did a great job. Um, just kind of forcing you out of your bubble. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. hundred percent. Probably helped you grow a lot. So um, cool, man. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. I'm sure uh, people enjoyed it and yeah, let's stay in touch. Sorry. I'm I, sorry. I missed that. Uh, I was saying, uh, let's say thank thanks you. for sharing your story and let's stay in touch. Likewise. Thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you for having me. It was great. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks to you, my listeners at wall street oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.